This is Scott Becker with the Becker Private Equity Podcast. Thrilled today to get to visit with John Thompson. John's, John is a founder. He's also the chief strategy officer at Blue Margin. He's going to tell us what Blue Margin does, the big trends he's watching currently, what he's most focused on, and maybe some advice for founders. John, can you take a moment to introduce yourself and, and tell us what Blue Margin does? Yeah, thanks, Scott. Great to be here and be in good company. I see that you have uh, interviewed people like Venus Williams and Clinton since Bush's in the past, so I've really, uh, I've really stepped up. Um, thanks a bunch. So Blue Margin, we're uh, in Colorado. We've been around 12 years. My brother and I founded the company. We had a previous company that we started in 2000 that was a data analytics company. We we got venture backing and ultimately were part of a private equity roll-up with one equity partner. So we got the experience of going from 30 people to 500 overnight. And some of the challenges that come with that, just to figure out what's going on in a new complex bolted together organization. Uh, we took that experience and in 2011 started Blue Margin, again, another data analytics company focused on helping mid-market companies, primarily PE backed, but any mid-market company to use their data to drive their value creation plans, to drive and accelerate growth and profitability, because we found through our experiences in business that at the root of basically every challenge that you have in execution, uh, culture, et cetera, is a lack of visibility or understanding somewhere. And as, as much as every company has a lot of data, their ability to get that corralled and organized and rendered to the organization in a way that uh, creates transparency and accountability and a sense of team is difficult. It's subtly difficult. The technologies are advancing uh, with greater acceleration all the time. And even in the last few months, things uh, have become much more amenable for mid-market companies, say 20 million to a billion in revenue, to be able to, to use their data much more effectively. So. That's what we focus on. We have a number of private equity partners. We've worked with over 300 companies to date in our organization. Everyone's out of our office here in Fort Collins. That's who we are. Amazing. Let me start with you. Before telling you further about what you all do, you founded a couple companies. You and your brother founded this one. Talk a little bit about you know, advice you would give to other founders and also about managing the relationship with a sibling when you found a company together? Yeah, great question. Uh, you know, it's, it's, it's interesting. I, I do get that question from folks who are thinking about starting their own business. What advice would you have? And I tend to lean on, I would find a focused market and audience that you define best guess, even if you have to flip a coin between two options and start with that. I think what entrepreneurs tend to do, and certainly we did, was to say, well, we got nothing, we're starting from nothing, uh, let's cast as wide a net as we can. And so the market cap on, on what you're trying to go after is in the trillions, so that gives you tons of opportunity. Instead, figure out, you know, we have um, familiarity with mid-market companies that are in tech, uh, in software as a service, let's focus there at least for the first few weeks and see if we get traction and then expand. It's very difficult to avoid the temptation of, you know, if you'll, if you'll pay us, we'll mow your lawn. And meanwhile, we can do your data. So it would be about focus. 
Um, as to working with a sibling, he's the oldest of four boys. I'm the youngest. I had to be scrappy. Uh, he's he's more type A engineering. He's the buttoned up version of me. So we're quite different in personality, and yet we can finish each other's sentences. Uh, what it comes down to working successfully together is generosity. He tends to lead the way with that. So there's going to be points of conflict, but having um, uh, assuming best intentions on your partner's part, and then being willing to let go of anything in the name of family or uh, brothers uh, above any profit motive or a particular strategy that you're holding to, that has made all the difference. So if you're going to work with a sibling or someone in your family, make sure they have a generous soul to begin with. And that's that's been a good formula for us. I think that's there's such, such great advice there. At the end of the day, keeping the relationship going well with your brother, more important than really anything. And then second is you guys obviously have good karma together, get along well. And then also in terms of founding a business, you know, look for a niche, start with the niche or try to, and you're going to be sort of improvising and pivoting over time, but you have to start someplace. I think, I think great, great advice. And talk about this business, you know, who are your core customers? Tell us a little bit about that and, and how you go to market uh, and, and what you're most excited about currently. Yeah. So our core cost customers are sort of, Two, uh, the, the one who writes our checks are, is the executive team for a mid-market company. We like to engage at the CEO or COO or CFO level uh, because converting your business to a data-driven company is a big change management, cultural, strategic initiative. It can't just be an IT project that we're going to install and then it will, it will change everything we do. It needs to be a pillar of how you run a business. Any complex system, whether it's an F1 car or a wood chopper or you name it, needs good instrumentation. You need to see, is it getting hot? Is it performing at, at its peak? Are there issues showing up? Uh, are we getting maximum volume we can out of this system? Without that feedback loop, you're sort of guessing blind. So uh, very important to have that in, and at the executive level, that's where we find that kind of thinking. We also work a lot with private equity partners who are, as you know, because you're experienced in PE, looking for ways to gain advantage over the market. They're very uh, open to latest and greatest technologies out there to gain a technological advantage or theories of change management or process improvement or operational frameworks. They are looking for innovative, better ways to do things. And then leverage the economies of scale that they have in the form of a portfolio of companies to put together playbooks around key areas, data being one of the very hot topics now. So understanding the motivations of the PE partner, that they are looking to turn a 3x profit or better in within three to five years. I mean, that's the, that is the formula one of, of business models. It's, it's a high pressure, high stakes game. And you've really got to get in the, the mindset of what that's like in order to be able to serve them. So those are our two main customers. Um, you also asked about what we're excited about now. Is that the next thing? Absolutely, yes. Yeah, so two, two big things. We, we started out time and materials billing in six-minute increments. And you can imagine with 200 lines, task lines on a single project spread across 15 or 20 projects and across 15 or 20 engineers, 
is the most complex clockworks you can imagine doing. Luckily, we're data people. We dialed that in about as tight as we think you could do. And it was still very difficult to, to have a smooth experience, both for us and the customer. So we went to fixed pricing, fixed, fixed scope. Uh, that was good, except the nature of converting a, a business to data-driven is not a, a scope and do it sort of monolithic uh, project. It's an ongoing iteration. Even when we develop a new dashboard here, say for our leadership team, the day it hits our eyeballs and we're talking about it, we're having new insights and new questions and we're evolving it and that never stops. So doing those fixed projects was problematic in that way. We have, as of this summer, gone to managed data services where uh, we attach a uh, fractional data team to a company. They're dedicated to that company, maybe more than one company, but they have always got the same people, and do development sprints. We have weekly sprint meetings. We get their data lakehouse set up, and we're off and running. And that has really busted things open for fast development and production Clients saying, you know, I give you a request for a report Friday, it comes out Monday. We're getting universal uh, positive response from our clients. We've got 11 so far, but rapidly increasing that. Um, so we're excited about that. And the other area that we're really focused on is generative analytics, the chat GPT of numbers. How do you give a large language model or large language and number model the translation or semantic layer into your company's pool of data or lake of data so that you can ask it questions like what was our profitability this quarter versus the same quarter last year if you only look at these product segments or service segments and what factors cause clients to most likely churn or to most likely be open to cross-selling opportunities those kinds of exploratory strategic questions that put analytics and visibility into the numbers in everybody's hands in an organization we think has the potential to be a major disruptor. Um, it's still pre-market. There was a really good demo by Microsoft in May. Uh, their co-pilot, there's other tools out there. We're constantly tracking those. There's none that we've seen where we're saying to our clients, you need to get on this now. Um, but we're excited about that as the technology comes to market and then figuring out what we call natural language query spec. What are, the, what are the specifications of that translation layer that describes to the large language model what your numbers mean so you can ask it any question? That has yet to be proven out, something we're developing and looking forward to. But we think that'll be in the next few months. Those are the biggies right now. Thank you very much. And, and tell us a little bit about sort of um, what trends are you watching in your business? Are private equity funds busy? Are they growing? I know some are struggling putting money to work. Some are struggling with raising capital right now. What, what trends are you seeing in terms of, of the private equity world? Yeah. So there was a, a, a bit of a, a wasteland there for a bit on deal, deal flow, it seemed. And we heard that you know, from other associated sectors to private equity. Uh, obviously, there are exceptions out there, but lower deal flow. And as of September, at least in the small subset that I'm talking to, I'm hearing much more bullish uh, reports, perspectives, more deal flow. I'm not getting that sense of, hey, this is uh, uh, austerity times. You know, let's talk later. I'm getting a sense that they're moving forward. So, again, very limited lens because I'm not talking to 100 of them, uh, maybe 20. But but I'm 
my sense is that hey, we're we're uh, you know this car's running down the road. Everyone's still thinking about a softening or a a uh, uh, recession of some kind, but we haven't seen it yet, and we're seeing the opposite at least recently. Thank you. And when you when you think about sort of like if you wanted to share one thing with the audience today, in addition, could you tell them where they could find out more about your company, Bloom Origin? Besides that, what else would you tell the audience today? What what I would say more than anything is that data to us is again foundational. If you're running a complex system without instrumentation, it's problematic. If you're running a mid-market company, especially a buy and build model in private equity where you're doing add-on businesses, add-on business units, the complexity of that and trying to run it through a hierarchical decision-making structure where you're gathering information from the field, bringing it up to the generals, forming strategy, sending it back out versus having a value creation plan with initiatives that touch all of the functional areas of the business and each area knows what KPIs they're accountable for and why and how it fits into the bigger growth and profitability picture. And they can see how they're doing and why they're doing well or not. And everyone else can see that above them. Now you get that distributed decision-making and uh, you can begin to get much more value, productivity, ownership mentality out of your folks. So, I, we see it as an essential baseline. I know we see through data tinted glasses, but I don't know how you get around that argument. And companies look at it understandably as this is a mountain we have to climb and we've got a bunch of foothills in our way we got to deal with first. The technology has changed even in the last four months where it used to take us eight to 12 weeks to integrate a ERP system into your data platform. Now we can do 10 of those in six weeks. And if you've got two or three data sources, within four weeks, we've got a data lake house stood up. We've got the data integrated from the source systems. We've got the modeling started. We're producing initial reports inside of a month. So that has almost an order of magnitude. Uh, it's gotten much more efficient. And it doesn't require that you've got to carve out a piece to your team or find 10% more time to focus on this initiative. We got that for you. Uh, I know that sounds like an advertisement, but those who really understand how to work with those kinds of companies and can do a fractional data team, you don't have to disrupt things. So those would be the big pieces of advice. Thank you very much. It's a, a pleasure to visit with you today. And, and you'll tell us where people could find out more about Blue Margin. Where, where can they learn more about you, John, and Blue Margin? Yeah, so bluemargin.com is our website. Uh, you can find us there like crazy. You can also email me, John, which is J-O-N. There's no H, just J-O-N at bluemargin.com. I'm happy to chat with anyone. That's my role here as ambassador, essentially. Uh, so feel free to reach out. I'm also on LinkedIn and would love to connect. John, one last question. I understand that you also have a book of sorts, either Blue Margin does or you do. Can you take one moment and tell us about that? Yeah, you bet. So that's called the dashboard effect. You can find it on Amazon. Uh, it came out of really starting with the book, The Game of Work by Charles Coonrad, where he says essentially that people like playing games because they know the rules and the score. And when they don't know the score, they tend to not want to play or they play safe. So it's this idea of creating a data transparent or data driven culture and how that uh, fundamentally shifts a culture to much more 
agency among employees and uh, an ownership mentality and this sort of team accountability to the goal. That's what it covers and incites a lot of experts uh, in the field on how that uh, comes about and, and how to complete that task, gets into some of the how-to uh, further in the book. John, thank you so much for joining the Becker Private Equity Podcast today. Just a pleasure to visit you. Thank you very much. And Chanel Bunger, our producer, thank you as always as well. Thank you very, very much, John. Thank you, Scott.